0: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Saladcast for this season with myself, Ollie and Glynn. How are you doing, Glynn?
1: Okay, yeah, it's been a long weekend down to London, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, I haven't had a, a weekend down there and just got back uh, late last night. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a long, long weekend, but a fun weekend. Uh, I think meeting up with friends and all the usual sort of activities around the football are probably a bit more exciting than the actual uh, result in the end. But yeah, I'm good, Ollie, um, and, and it's nice that uh, we're joined by a guest, aren't we?
0: Yeah, so we have got Dan back on the podcast. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good
2: Ollie. yeah good uh, didn't have quite so far to travel as Glyn but I managed to get um 6 year birthday party in in the morning um, we've had all sorts cricket on Sunday morning as well so I'm feeling a bit um, a bit jaded looking forward to a good night's sleep but only once we've sorted the world out here
0: and now via solo cast <laughs> So yeah, but be good, to, thanks for joining us Dan you went to the game, obviously you live in the south so give us a different perspective Obviously, and also get your opinion as well it's a good podcast to have you on in terms of the second half of the podcast, we'll be talking about players' contract, who would you sign. Um, so yeah, we'll have to maybe be interested to see what you guys think um, about whether you would offer certain players' contracts or not. So that'll be good to, to get into. But yeah, before we get into that, there was a few interesting points in the pre-match. Um, one of them was that the training ground is having more work done on it, so there's some more drainage going on. And um, for the rest of the season now, the, obviously there's only a few days left really in terms of training, and um, the players will be training at the ground. And so that was quite interesting. Another one is Aaron Wilberham is having a foot operation on Monday. Um, the manager says he's having an operation. He never said what it was, so obviously that's sounding quite intriguing. But then at the end he said it was a foot operation, so he's having that on Monday. He might not be at the Wigan game. Um, so yeah, that was I thought that was worth um, noting and sharing. Um, and then Shrewsbury Town were trending in the week for quite a hilarious tweet. Um, a Manchester United fan uh, made the error of tagging Shrewsbury Town in a tweet saying that we are looking like Shrewsbury at Anfield. And um, obviously, we know what the lads in the media team are like. He didn't. Um, and then, yeah, the tweet, as when I last looked, it had nearly 190,000 likes and, wow. and 32,000 retweets. Um, and I saw it was on Sky Sports News and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was quite funny because what the Shrewsbury Town f- um, fan, oh, sort of media um, team said was we scored Anfield this season. You didn't levels, which I thought was quite funny. Glenn,
1: it's was great, wasn't it? I think it's uh, officially the biggest tweet in the club's history, isn't it? Um, I think they've done a few kind of kind of getting involved in the sort of football discourse over the last couple of years since some of the newer younger lads sort of came into the media team, haven't they? You sort of <clears throat> yeah, a bit more switched on to maybe social media, I suppose. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's quite good the stuff they do. And yeah, it is not just not just Twitter actually. Like I, I was talking to them at the sports Parliament meeting the one before last, and they were sort of talking to me about TikTok and what that does for football. Club and the exposure it gives them to the youth and it's it's mad like you wouldn't think how many people are looking at Superfans TikToks and their things like that but it's it's generating a whole lot of buzz and, and you know obviously with the the younger fans that go in the South Stand there's like a little bit of a kind of vibe around that as well so um yeah credit to, to credit to guys it was a great tweet and uh, I think they've they've had a good season this year the media lads in terms of getting involved in different bits and pieces so um yeah it's, it's been great to be fair
0: yeah I did ask them who who took the credit um it sounds like they probably got a little WhatsApp group going it was a team effort they said um so yeah they're all taking the, the credit it for that um, so that's good to see um, and yeah obviously um, we go, we're go. we going to talk about um, uh, another game where Shrewsbury didn't score probably worth just noting there was um, a guy called, a friend of the pod Ben, ben Harvey um, did a tweet after the game and he's been to I think it's seven away games and he scored one goal <laughs> that's pretty well, bleak that- isn't it
1: Dan will back us up because uh, we obviously before we get to the game I stood up with uh, Ben who who's just uh, been mentioned and obviously Dan was up there with us as well wasn't he Dan and Ben wasn't yep. very happy at the end was he Dan uh, but we were we well, very happy used to, that. to be honest
2: yeah Glenn he, he's normally quite a grumpy old soul in the best possible way but but yeah I did feel a bit for him even that one goal that he's seen was uh, was at Wimbledon so it was hardly a classic but a goal's a goal no. you know, obviously that's positive but he's had a, a, a tough run of it this season so I feel for Ben a bit fingers crossed that whatever happens in the summer he has a better 22-23 <laughs>
1: yeah it's, it, the thing about it is Oli I suppose is that he isn't the only one is he you know no. you don't get fans going to pretty much every away game like I have done this season and a few others mm-hmm. have um and you know, a lot of fans have been going to away games. My brother's been on Dan, and, and Ollie obviously knows this, and he's talked about his record away from home. And now he's barely seen us win for three years. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you know, our away our away form's yeah. been a problem for a long time, and it certainly hasn't picked up this year. But Ollie, there was one good bit of news in terms of stats before before we get to the other stats. I have finally uh, this season I can, can officially say that I saw every Shrewsbury Town away victory this year. So what was it? Fleetwood, Carlisle, Stratford, and Burn, wasn't it? So there you go. I got them all in in the end, which is why I was glad I went to Charlton this Saturday because uh, we won that and have missed it.
0: League because we probably played nearly thirty away games if you add all the cups up and everything.
1: Yep, yep, and yeah, two two in the league and two in the cup. That was it this season. But I saw them all, so there you go. <laughs> that's quite a, quite a badge of honour.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let, let's go into into the game. that's Northern.
1: who stood tall amongst in league one this season so saturday 23rd of april second last game of the season last away game of the season at the valley in front of 11287 i believe around 600 I um, wasn't sure on the specific number was announced on the tannoy and, and i saw um some of the town fans talking about away at uh, yeah Charlton athletic where We unfortunately lost 2-0, goals from Stockley on 64 and Iniki on 86, who I think we tried to sign in the summer, didn't we? Um, 2-0 loss, Uh, Yeah, going out with a whimper unfortunately, so not the best, um, but a spirited effort which we'll come to in a minute. Um, there's one stat I really wanted to talk about this week, Ollie, um, and it's probably worth you two reflecting on it and, and just really getting maybe Dan's view actually. So obviously, with with not winning on Saturday, we now cannot get even as many points as we got last season, um, which means we statistically have had a worse season in a points basis um, than we did last season, where not everyone was very happy at the end of the year. And um, I suppose start with you, Dan, really in terms in terms of that. You know, to, to still be four points behind and needing a win against um, Wigan, who were going for promotion on on the sort of last day of the season, to only to only be a point behind. I don't know, how, how do you feel about that? There's obviously positives, which we'll come to as we go through the game and, and other things, but to, to not have got as, even as many points as last season, it, it is a bit of a worry, isn't it?
2: Well, I mean, I think there are a number of different ways of looking at this, Glenn. I mean, if anyone asks me, I, I always say that Shrewsbury Town are a, a team that should be in the lower half of League One. I think when we're in League Two, we expect to go up. If we get north of 12th in League One, if... And it does happen just occasionally. Then we're doing really well. Mm So to be honest, this is our natural terrain. This is where my instinct says that we are as a club. in terms of the actual position, well, it 17, 17 seems to be something about 17th, doesn't it? We, we, we seem to migrate towards 17th more or less every season yeah. at the moment. So position-wise, we're more or less where we, where we were. I mean, one thing I would say is that six games into the season, um, we. if you'd have said to me that we'd be uh, plain sailing, we're in the middle of the table, middle-ish of the table, and Charlton away, we're going to home, don't really matter, um, then I'd have snapped your hand off, Glenn, because we were in an awful state six games into the season, and we're not now. So the football's not been... Brazil 1970, um, there's been an awful lot that's been quite turgid, but we we really haven't struggled in the last two months to, to make progress towards staying up, and that I think that's worth something, and we're going to get on to contracts and which players are staying, and Cottrell's methodology in a minute, but I think given... Where we were in September, given who we've got staying, and I think the glass is definitely half full rather than half empty. There, I think there's room to be optimistic, but the optimism shouldn't go as far as expecting Shrewsbury Town to naturally be challenging for the places uh, playoff places in League One. I think I think that is that, that sort of expectation really is a bit above where historically we generally are.
1: And Ollie, I, I'm obviously uh, you know a bit addicted to stats, aren't I? So things like that may mean more to me than, than other people, I'm sure. But I, d- I don't know, we did talk about this briefly last week about whether we could get past that point last season. But Dan makes some fair points, doesn't he? And I've seen a lot of people talking about there are positives and squad things and issues like that. But, you know, we haven't scored as many goals last season. We haven't got as many points for last season. I, I, do, I still personally count this season as a bit of a, of a poor one. But maybe it is what we should be expecting, as Dan just said.
2: Well, I'll put one thing on there, Glenn. You didn't mention how many goals we conceded. Now, of course, we don't go to games to see nil 0 draws. Yep. That's not what's drawn us in. Um, but uh, only very few sides in our division have conceded fewer goals than we have. And I think all three of us have been at Shrewsby Town games where you, you, you go one day and you get a sinking feeling. And you think, oh, no, this is just going to be a long journey home. And really, we haven't had many of them at all. Um, and one of them, ironically, was, was Bank Colony Monday against Doncaster. In mean, the second half then was a total shambles. But we haven't had many games where it's been a total shambles. And, and I know the, the bar is low when I'm saying that. We've had a lot of games where we've not looked like scoring, but we've also been right. in a lot of games where in previous years I think we might not have been. So maybe I'm just a glass half full type of person. But I think it's yep. easy to expect a lot and forget the things that we've actually done okay.
1: Sorry, and Ollie, what did you what did you make of that that real that's that really poor? Move on to the team. You know, the fact that we didn't didn't get to those points, as I said, I don't know. Where's your glass for half full or half empty? Obviously, we could talk about this at the end of the season podcast, but right now, after this sort of sort of limpish end of the season, what, what, are you, what are you feeling?
0: It's poor, isn't it? To be honest, you know, we criticised um, Sam Ricketts for being a really poor manager. Um, obviously, then we got a new manager came in and, and improved things to get less points. You know, when you we were all quite optimistic, I think, is poor. I understand what Dan's saying in terms of you know at the end of August we were happy to stay up, but the coach was responsible for that as well. You know that really poor start season we had ten percent of the season without scoring a goal. So yeah. yeah, it's it is difficult. The defensive record was really good a few weeks ago. We were the third best. Now we slipped to seventh, and which I'm still good. You know for a team that's in the bottom half. But I think we've 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 got that that positive defensive record um, to the detriment of our attacking play. Um, so it's 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 difficult to be too optimistic. Um, I am an optimistic person. Hopefully, we can do well in the summer, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see. But, um, yeah, I'm that, well, not sure that's the defensive record is to the detriment of the attacking player, Wally. I, I think, think it's because strong... we defend. We don't send a lot of men forward. We 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 keep a lot of men back. You know, when we attack, we have our two strikers. We don't have a number ten, and that's we often have issue. midfielders. And then the the full the, yeah. the wing backs don't push on that far either. And they're pretty much—they're not really that, especially with um, Bennett being missing and better gone. We we don't have effective wing backs at all. Um, I really love Jaws Nurse, but I think he's more of a full-back, to be honest than a wing-back. So yeah. yeah, I think when I say detriment to attacking play, I think we're quite conservative and we're quite defensive. And we don't throw many people forward. Um, that that's that's my that's my view on that. I don't know what you do You disagree with that,
2: Dan? You've... Well, I see the angle. I, see, I certainly see the angle. I, I think that the, the major problem is the number ten role. And I think sean wally is has got many attributes, but i'm going to say something positively heretical in that his time's done folks he's not a number Oof. ten he doesn't fit into three five two he's not going to make uh, he's not going to have the opportunities to make an impact in the ways that he has done in previous years. So if Cottrell's the man, if we keep with Cottrell, then 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 Cottrell, uh, uh, then uh, Wally will play his last game for us against Wigan on Saturday because he, he and I thought I don't know what you thought Glenn but I thought it was painfully obvious yesterday that he's not a number 10 he'll try yeah. he runs around a lot but he's not he's not John Nolan and finding a John Nolan to be John Nolan, you know, at that level as he was three or four years ago, that that's like gold dust. That's really tricky. Every club in the division yeah. wants that sort of John Nolan, so it's, it's not going to be easy to find him.
1: And there must be teams out there that play without out wingers. If if he wants to continue his career, he might as well try and find one of those teams because it's totally. you know, he's done yeah. brilliant for us in a number of positions, and and even up front he's done really well in games. But he's always been at his best seventeen, eighteen, flying down those wings, robbing the other side, just devastatingly good and, and has good spells since then in more attacking positions but um, you know it, it is it is a frustration for us that we, we simply don't play a formation or get the best out of him anymore and um, he's, he's ageing but you cannot com- question his commitment and effort you're completely right there Dan and I think that was on display on, on Saturday for sure as well um, but yeah maybe maybe we're coming to the end of that time probably just worth mentioning the rest of the team really just before we get into the game um, so yeah pretty similar to the last few weeks Morosi starting goal um, Pennington Flanagan and Leahy at the back again And um, we talked about the Leahy-Pierre situation did we last? Week, Ollie, so probably not repeating that. Um, Daniel was a nurse as the wing backs with Ben out injured, and then Wally, as we said in midfield with Fauna and Vella, and then Bowman and Ado up front. Um, yeah, so that was the team really. I start with the team before we move on just to the pre match stuff, but um, yeah, no, no real surprises there, Dan, from what we've been playing in recent weeks was there, other than there was some new kid on the bench we'd never heard of. The captain under 16s, Barlow, I think his name was. That was the only under 18s team news. Under 18s, yeah, is yeah. it? There
2: you go. Yeah, it's, no, no surprises. Although I, I do think. Not playing Lee in the middle of the park makes a real difference. And that inevitably leads me to ask, what what has Aaron Pierre done or what has he said to to not warrant a start? (laughs) At any point in this team, and there's no need to go into that. It's been discussed on this pod before, but, but clearly he's not in, in Cottrell's thinking. But Aaron Pierre playing on the left side of that back three and Leahy in the middle of the park makes a massive difference to that team. And and I think I'd love to know why he doesn't want to pick Pierre, because I, I, I see Leahy in the middle of the park as being so important. And had we had him there yesterday with uh, Fauna and Vella, then I think it might have yep. been a little different. But there we go.
1: Yeah, we've been rubbish since. Uh, unfortunately, we've been a bit rubbish since Lee. He went back at the back. He was really good in that first stint, wasn't he? Early in the season, Ollie, where he played centre back when we needed him, and you couldn't really fault him then. And he's not been bad at the back recently. It's just, but it is more exactly. It's what just that he's good. It. It's what it? you yeah,
0: yeah, it's <laughs> what you lose yeah. in midfield. Um, and Warley is for. For, for he's a shooter Town legend. He is not a central midfielder.
1: He's not a ten. He's not a six, and he's not an eight. <laughs> so there we go. We've always said he's not a ten, but he's clearly not a six or eight either. So there we go. So that was the team, Ollie. Um, probably just worth reflecting really on. Some of the pre-match stuff. Um, yeah, did you have good union? Cle- Lond-
2: did you, Did you go anywhere nice during the pre-match? Did you have a trip around <laughs> London? Did, do any shopping? Yeah, went no? around London. No.
1: Went to Bruff Market, Dan. A place called Bruff Market. Have you
2: ever been there? I've never heard. Of, I've heard of Borough Market, but Bruff Market was a new one on me. <laughs> what What was it like? Oh dear, oh dear. You've probably been explaining yourself. Like, um, then
1: yeah so yeah we went for a nice little boat ride from the sort of the area where we parked the car near Charlton and caught a bus all the, uh, caught a tri- sorry boat all the way uh, the Thames Clipper all the way to the embankment walked all the way along the South Bank to what is now I believe called Borough Market and it is spelt Borough I don't know why I was calling it Brough all day anyway when I got into the game I met um Dan obviously lives down you live at Ascot way don't you down London we yep. met um, Ben Harvey and a few other guys who who live in London and I went yeah we went to Brough Market for lunch and I just got laughed at Ollie I thought oh this is great I don't country boys come to town these these cosmopolitan Types, you know, they're they're th- taking the mick out of me, really. But I was completely wrong, so fair enough. wasn't it, Dan, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I've I've learned something about London this weekend. <laughs>
2: Be proud of your roots, Clint. Seriously, be proud of your roots. It was all good, all good natured stuff. And, and it was that sort of day, wasn't it? I thought, I thought the mood in the crowd was pretty, pretty, not quite party-esque, but people were generally positive. It had a last game of the season feel, but we had St George knocking around, didn't we? And there was the odd, the odd dragon, uh, fancy dress costumes, not in, in, in ridiculous numbers, but there were a few people who were clearly out for a, for a party. And that, that's always nice to see, I think, particularly when you're safe.
0: I think one thing Shrewsbury Hans fans know very well is not to let 90 minutes of football ruin a good day out <laughs> Very it did. true.
1: It certainly didn't. I had a I had a great day Saturday. To be fair, like with, with the kids and stuff, all pre match. And then it, it, there is a, there is so much to be said for seeing you know, especially when you go to London. And you know, it probably happens to a lot of town fans who've we've all got friends who've moved away and, and moved to the big city. And and you know, you don't see as regularly as you used to. Obviously, you used to play football with Dan and, and Ben Harvey, we've mentioned was a way sports goalkeeper. And there was a guy Rob Skitworth there I haven't seen since I went to his wedding about six or seven years ago. And Phil Thomas, who's um, obviously been on the pod I think before, and um, massive huge town fan, and, and they live down in London. It's difficult for you guys to get to. Every home game, we don't we don't see you as much as usual, but I think that's what happens in those London games. You meet up with your friends and you and you kind of catch up, and it and it does make the whole thing worthwhile, um, despite what goes on on the pitch, really. And I, th- I think you know, I came home even after losing two 0 End of the season, we're safe with a massive smile on my face, and I think that's all you really want from your football, isn't it? Dan, at the end of the day, you want to you want to have enjoyed your, your day and and uh, yeah, had that social side of it.
2: I think that's spot on. I mean, for, for all it's worth, I mean, I know it's, it's quite an easy trip for me, but I think Charlton away is a really good away day. It's a fantastic away end. Uh, that roof means that you can get some real volume in the singing. Uh, you've got a station nearby that's that, that's that's actually well linked. I mean, some of these clubs have got stations that, that don't have any trains, hardly. Um, but Charlton's easy to get away from, easy to get to. And I, I think it's it's one of the good away days, actually. And, and if people haven't been, then I'd, I'd strongly recommend they, they try and pencil that one in um, for next yeah. season. Because regardless of the football, it's there are worse away days. Ahead.
0: It's a really good away day, isn't it? Because it's a you know, quick train down to London. And um, it's good trains to get to it, and yeah, I've got a really good friend of mine as a Charlton fan, so I couldn't go this season, but I'd definitely go again. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of pubs you can go to, and I remember a couple of years ago, I think me and A Plimmer went for a few, you know, a few pubs and a, a burger in, on the way in. There's so many places you can go. Um, it is a good day out.
1: And and it did feel extra special. I think Dan, just to reflect this, before we move on to the game. But yeah, you said it was like a party atmosphere. I felt like at times it was a bit like that. We usually have that end of season party vibe, don't we? For that last away game of the season. And the the French dress was quite good. Um, there was a load of guys who dressed up in, in one of the guys that's uh, it's a guy called Jason Griffiths, who's one of the sort of more well known town fans um, in in sort of the uh, the chanting area. And they all had masks on for him, which one of my, my son nicked one up at the end. And we should mention as well. I think South sands flags had paid for two hundred and fifty shoes for town flags to be handed out. And and Dan yep. will agree with me. You know, our kids all got one each and were waving them. They loved it. It was a brilliant game idea. On yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, And so, yeah, it just added to that atmosphere. And, um, yeah, I think the crowd deserved a goal, at least. It was one of those ones where they really did kind of keep with the team all the way through, despite the result. But um, didn't quite get that goal for, for what the atmosphere was worth, really. So, um, But party atmosphere or not, Dan. Um, we were there, weren't we, watching the opening spell. And, uh, I don't know, what did, what did you make of that first uh, opening section of the game, really? Let's, let's start with that.
2: Yeah, well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the most intense game of football, Your ever going to see that's for sure and i think that that applied right the way through until the middle of the second half um they certainly had a lot of the ball at the beginning they didn't really create very much but as we sat back in our in our formation which we do almost looked like we were trying to make sense of what was in front of us um and in the first 50 minutes or so i i would love to know what the possession stats were because i think they had the vast majority of the ball but sorry but surely i think fauna came into the game um quite a lot and and he, he you know we you've said it before but he's got a touch He's got confidence on the ball. He reads the game well. And I felt that Fauna began to exert more of an influence. It didn't really end up leading to chances, but, but Fauna, Fauna sort of rose into the game quite significantly. And I think that's, um, that, that was, particularly as we were leading up to half-time, that led to us to having more of the ball. And at half-time, I felt we were probably in a pretty good place, actually. I felt, I felt we'd, we'd done OK and we could, we could skip on and perhaps snick perhaps a winner.
1: Yeah, I think if we look for Rector on the whole for- of the first half, I can't really de- disagree with too much of that. Um, there were certainly sell- spells when we had a couple of moments in that first half, volley, which-, yeah. which we can maybe run through in a minute. And and Charlton had a couple as well, but it was a fairly even first half. You know, they didn't look much yeah. better than us. It it felt to me, Dan, um, on on the day. As it was, two teams in what it was seventeenth and fifteenth, you know, down the bottom yep. of the league, playing out a nil-nil draw at the end of the season. Obviously, the second half changed that significantly, but it wasn't the most exciting half of football, Ollie. As much as you talk about it being a good day at Charlton, um, you wouldn't have missed much in that first half if you hadn't have been there. Um, I'd say the fans were great, but yeah, there was, there was was only a few chances really for both teams, and um, yeah, just a, just a kind of one quite on the beach football from both teams, but just certainly not that you know one hundred and ten percent effort that you might have seen you know a few months ago when we were still scrapping for our life, Ollie.
0: Yeah, that was an odd one in some ways. For me, there was a bit of League One quality on in the fact that the teams were passing the ball around, trying to play what people might perceive as the right kind of football. But it was done at such a pace that it was quite poor quality, if that makes sense. A bit of a contradiction, but that's what I thought when I was watching. We did have a few chances, but then, yeah, Charlton were quite... There was a lot of these fouls and stuff which I find really frustrating, you know, a lot of blocking, um there was a lot of, you know, standing on the ball, all that kind of malarkey was going on, which needs to be sorted by the rest, I think. Um one came where Vella was blocked made we had a free kick and Fournard did a half volley over, um, but wasn't wasn't the yeah. best. And then I thought probably second half of the second or the first half, Shujitan had some pressure and there was a good pullback from Worley, but um, basically it just kinda of flashed across the box. Um, and then there was a few chances, and then there was that one chance where Wally played into a doe with kind of a side, about outside the foot, kind of and through ball, but he fired wide. And yeah, there was a there was a few chances for Charlton as well. Morrissey did a few good saves as well, I thought, but probably an even half, down I'd say overall. Yeah, I think it was pretty even. I think they, they definitely had more of the possession early on, but didn't
2: create much, really. You say there were chances, but there weren't any guilt edged chances for for, for for either side. And I think that sort of reversed a little bit. And I thought Fauna was the key player there. He, he really got his foot on the ball. But did we create masses of chances? No, not really. 0-0 wasn't too far off what it should have been. We yeah, had two shots like in the
0: first half, and they had eight. I mean, obviously, you can have shots from any distance, and you obviously can rack yeah. up. Another half-glin, another half-glin where we didn't have a shot on on target.
1: Yeah, well, we're used to that now, aren't we, Ollie? Through Ricketts ball and Askei ball and and maybe even Cottrell ball sometimes now. Um, Yeah, for me, the the thing that frustrated me in the first half, if we're going to look at the things of why we didn't have more shots um, or shots on target in that half was... I have to credit the front players they pressed well and worked really hard um, and Vela did as well a little bit when he, when he was joining in so was, so was Wally but there were times when Charlton did come forward and we had that chance to counter and some of the passing was a bit awry we, we didn't really counter Charlton as well as we could have done um, and that would have maybe led to more chances like we have done got quite a few games this season I suppose when we've been a bit better at countering but I, I certainly think I, I don't want to be too hard on Daniels I don't think he's as good at countering as Bennett is um, he's just more calm and steady on the ball so you lose a little bit there um, and Wally kind of gets lost in the counters sometimes he feels like he's not quite sure where he wants to play obviously we are talking about him being a 10 but he drifts over so much that it's not, it's not quite as fluid going forward and then you find that um, Bowman and Nadeau sometimes get a little bit isolated so yeah that was my main frustration first half was maybe we could have counted better and, and created some more chances off that but 0-0 was pretty fair at half time I thought
2: I know it's a cliche Glyn and it, it, it's a cliche on steroids I'm going to say it anyway it was one of those games where the first goal was always going to be really important I mean, as I say, yeah. it, it's the king of cliches, but but it really was. I did feel whoever got in front would probably have the wherewithal either to hold it or to or the other side wouldn't quite have the ingenuity to you know to force an equaliser. And and as soon as Charlton scored in the second half, um, I did think the writing was on the wall to be honest. And and I guess you know you don't have to be I didn't have to be Mystic Meg to be thinking that.
1: No, that's that's totally fair what Dan just said there. I think I yeah, was... although there was one goal, Ollie. Actually we should just mention. I think it might have been in the first half. I'm like, yeah, it was 33 minutes into the into the Shusby Town first half. There was a goal scored by Shrewsbury Town player, wasn't there? Did you see this?
0: No, I can't remember the bit.
1: <gasps> Riku Pike scored Ollie. Oh yeah, how did you yeah. I knew you were occasion? getting there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's some he's true to Town player. I'd Be interesting to see how he does next season. Glenn obviously coming back. A year he's left on his contract. Left,
1: yeah, he scored his first goal for Scunthorpe since he went on loan in whatever it was, December, wasn't it? The, pretty much out the door straight away, wasn't he? In the start, sorry, January transfer window, and uh, now they're relegated. He's decided to uh, get on the goal goal uh, trail, and you'll never, you, you probably won't be able to. Well, you probably could guess exactly how his first goal for Scunthorpe went. He chased down a keeper, the keeper punted it into his ass, and it went in off it. So, um, yeah, very, 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 very tr- trademark play uh, there, I suppose. But um, there we go. He was the only one scored in the first half, Ollie. And uh, as we said, no, we half time, but. Yeah, um, I don't know. Second second half, I don't know. Looking at it in general, I think we had a chance to to probably get that first goal that Dan was talking about. Missed it, and then faded away after that. That's probably the the general view of that half, Ollie.
0: Yeah, it was. He wasn't. It was, it was definitely end of season fair, isn't it? Uh, fair play to the six hundred fans that went to watch this and paid um, to get in. Um, second half, um, I thought Shrewsbury Town created some okay chances from from open play in this half, um, but yeah, weren't good enough in the end for finishing, and that's. You know, that's been a, a issue we've had all season. And I thought Bowman got a good chance in. He had that good save, but it was poor finishing. And then there was a, that follow up chance from Daniels, um, which was saved. And um, it was interesting, actually, the manager was quite critical of that, um, saying that, that you know, he should have scored from that.
2: Yeah, he was never scoring. I totally understand why I thought he should have scored. Um, but as soon as I saw it drop in, I just thought his body shape's not right. This is not happening. I don't know yeah. why. You know, sometimes you just know there's no chance of this going in. And um, it didn't.
0: Yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a chance that he should have just smashed him towards goal, but he didn't. He tried to he tried to be he tried to place it, and it just didn't work. He took the pace off the ball, um, and that was poor. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> not really much else happened. Sixty-four minutes in, um, Charlton get a corner and free header um, back of the neckline, and we seem to have gone to pieces at set pieces of our e-banks. Exactly
1: that. I thought there was a few people around us saying how much we're missing Ebanks now. He's been a huge miss the last few weeks and the amount of goals we've shipped in three, four games now is a real testament to his... Organization I suppose we've often kind of sort of talked about why he'd been made captain, but I think maybe it does show we miss his leadership at the back and um obviously Pennington finally are good leaders as well, and so is Leahy, but he he definitely gives them something at the back and that and that physicality that maybe the other two don't have i suppose um but he's a huge miss and um yeah i am not it's it's starting to become apparent that you know he's someone we need to sign up for next season for sure but um yeah it wasn't wasn't great defending, was it um in terms of the goal dan it was uh adder. um you know men get. And lost. It was just just poor all round, really, for for a goal like that.
2: Yeah, and it was quite interesting because I, I spoke to a Sunderland fan who I know at work, and it, he was talking about Flanagan, and he was saying that you know Fl- Flanagan's a decent centre half, and I said, yeah, we, I'm a bit surprised we got him for two and a half years. I mean, this is a great deal in my mind because I'm quite quite impressed with him, and he made the point the one thing with Flanagan is for a big lad, he's not awfully good against other big lads in the air. And he, the, the, don't get me wrong, the guy, the Sunderland fan, was a fan of Flanagan. He's a decent footballer. But he says, just watch when he gets up against other big guys. He won't win as many as you think. And I think Ebanks-Landell is sort of the other way. I don't think Ebanks-Landell, he's a bit of a kick it, head it, centre-half. Um, but he does edit when he goes to edit. He yeah. will win those balls. And you only notice him when he's gone. Yeah. And I don't think Flanagan is going to play an Ebanks-Landell role because he's a no. different, slightly different type of player. And we, we've been seeing that over the last three or four weeks, haven't we?
0: Yeah, he, won, he only won... Um, 2 out of 8 aerial drills in this game which is pretty I poor. didn't know that but I'm not surprised um, to, and it's to it. um, yeah. you know e, where you've got Ebanks on the other end I think that's where the blend comes in isn't it I don't think having you know 3 Flanagan Pennington types in your back line is, Pennington's pretty good in the air to be fair to him he's probably a bit better I think than Flanagan in the air um, but in terms of you know he he won 4 out of 7 so still not great um, but yeah you need that player in, in League 1 don't you who's going to win those headers because um, it, it ain't Premier League football
1: it, the blend is is nice, like when we have Pennington, Ebanks, and uh, Flanagan, hasn't it? You know, we've done very well in that period. They played together, and that was when we went on the good run. That was when we stopped conceding so many goals and, and got loads of clean sheets that helped Morosi um, get up to his sort of clean sheets record, didn't it? And that that is a nice balance. That's why everyone seems to be really positive about it. But there's no guarantee that Ebanks Landell will be here next season. And, and suddenly, no. when you lose him, and you've got to replace him with an Ebanks Landell type player, of which there are not a huge amount around, I suppose. Um, you know, you can't be 100 percent sure the defense is going to be as solid as it was. This time sorry, this season because you're gonna you know mix around with that blend. I'm sure the Cottrell's got people identified if he does move on. But Pierre is another E-Banks type player, isn't he? And he'll be moving on. So we're almost trying to recruit two kind of similar players, um, whilst we've got the more cultured um players sort of already on the books, really. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how that balances out. But definitely a big miss at the moment, and um yeah, you know, the, the, the goal was just very poor, um, free yeah. header sort of thing. And as Dan said, it, it felt for me, as I said, right at the start of this first half, that chance from Bowman and then the follow up from Daniels, those were the two efforts for us to win that game that was the game for me if we'd gone 1-0 up I think we probably would have saw it out the way that the kind of season's gone um, but when they went ahead it was almost like what have we got to get back in this and we had a couple of chances but I don't, I don't think we really um, we really had a chance of getting back in it after that I don't know Dan what you felt at that point when we well I thought we, there
2: was one magnificent run <laughs> by Dan those of us of a certain age will remember Tony Daly from the Villa and yeah. um, he, he, he sort of had this sort of body swerve, this, this sort of, you know, hip swaying sort of technique when he ran past defenders. And I saw, I mean, how many people did he beat? On Six. Him? Six was it, and it wasn't the worst shot at the end either. When no, he, he slipped
0: and, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, knackered and, and and you know and falling over. But I, I thought that was a that was a sort of a very down a do piece of football. Gets the ball, turns, runs. He's direct. Defenders know he's going to be direct because he's now got a reputation around the division. And I thought that was that was a fantastic effort on his part. And never at any point did I think he was going to score. But it's fair play to win that he got all the way uh, to where he did and made uh, made the keeper make a good save.
1: It, it's frustrating that when Odo does some of his best work, he's picking up his own bloody arse instead of instead of running from halfway well, in there. Yeah, that goes back to my, my point,
0: doesn't it, it? At the start <laughs> in the intro, talking about our, our defensive kind of approach. That yeah, often he's on his own. and There's no one really supporting him. But yeah, frustrating. Should have um, slipped Bowman in there? though. No? Yeah, he, I think I think the, these both. I think Odo and Bowman seem to have got a little bit greedier. um, over recent weeks Um, and they both seem to be quite keen to to get goals which is good but not to the detriment of the team's performance yeah then there was in terms of goal matching there was that header um, from Pennington from a corner which was decent Um, and then yeah the game was stopped um, for alleged um, racist um, comment directed at Morrissey now we don't know what happened Um, the game was stopped um, the club put a statement out. So did Charlton. We don't really know what happened, um, so we don't we don't want to say too much about this. Um, but if it was a racist comment, obviously it's it's completely wrong. And yeah, um, the club and the fans will definitely stand by Glenn. It's
1: It was an odd one on the day. Um, as a fan in the away stand, so this happened down the other end, obviously where the Charlton fans were. And you know, we're just watching the game. I think we've we've, we've was, we won a corner or free kick. I can't. Remember. Sorry, they won a free kick, didn't they? And then. Game suddenly just crashes to a halt. Um, Marossi runs over to the to the bench, doesn't he, to, to have a will-do with Steve Cottrell. Then the referee's over there, and then, you know, they they get back to the goal, and then we can see Morosi sort of looking like he's he's looking at the fans, and over at Chant we can't see if he's saying anything or pointing at anything, um, and it just goes on and on, this delay, and, and we're, we're sitting there thinking what's happened, and, you know, the press box haven't got a clue. You know, the assumption, I think, on the day from the people around us, and obviously when we were talking about it, was that someone had thrown something on the pitch. You know, that seemed like the most logical thing, because your, your mind doesn't instantly jump to potential racist abuse does it i suppose maybe it should um sometimes i suppose but um you know so we assume something's been thrown on the pitch or maybe things were being continually thrown on the pitch so well personally for me on the day it wasn't until i was on the sort of 25 minute walk back to the to tube station that i started to look at twitter and, and you sort of saw some of the comments that were coming out about it and um for me personally if it was racist abuse it doesn't doesn't matter um if it was a, a incorrect nationality or whatever it was if it was some abuse aimed at someone and it's Against, you know, it's it's discriminatory, um, then I hope that Charlton do take some action and identify the culprits. But until, um, obviously, more information comes out and they they can say more about it, I suppose it is difficult for us to say more. But a very odd, Dan, on the day, very odd situation, wasn't it, as fans? we We didn't have a clue, did we?
2: yeah i mean, I, I'm totally with you glenn we, we we sort of had a chat amongst ourselves and said it mu- it must have been something that was thrown, obviously it wasn't, but that's that was our first assumption. um it seemed to go on forever. I don't know how long that the play was stopped. It was probably no more than about five nine. minutes, but it felt like it was about twenty five was it nine okay yeah, uh, it felt gonna... a long time um i I think it's very difficult for a referee in those situations. I'm sure there are protocols, and um, in fact, there are protocols um but I thought the referee did did what he had to do in the situation. that was always going to take a bit of time. Um, but I would think my my only sort of substantive point is that I suspect it's going to be really hard to, to, to pin this on anybody now yeah. um, it, if someone did say something then 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 they deserve all they get but um, unless unless they get some real evidence
0: then I suspect it's, it's going hard to be really isn't it you know yeah. thousands of people behind the goal we're not really sure what happened but yeah hopefully yep. hopefully yeah, Marisi's okay and hopefully something we won't have to comment on again too often in the future it, it wasn't a great day for football to you. be honest there was um, I don't know if you guys. I'm sure you know about her game too, and the the girl who kind of started that, this girl called Kaz. Um, there was some some really pathetic um, Bristol Rovers fans did some like anti-Kaz banners and put them up in toilets and stuff. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> when you seen that stuff is? like this on social media, yeah, I know that was what was that was my timeline was full of after the game um, on on Saturday, and it's just yeah, it's just it's not on, is it? It's not good. It's, um, no, we're it's putting up banners it's just, just beyond that, ridiculous.
1: It, yeah, yeah. Just, just mention that. I was going to say, Dan. we will come to some of the stuff that was said in the sports park meeting. But you know, talking to her game too, and everything we did at the game um, last week against Doncaster, the feedback from basically everybody they'd asked and, and they'd, uh, kind of had feedback from and, and people first time at the game was that the whole thing was absolutely brilliant and uh, it kind of achieved all the goals they wanted it to on, on Saturday. So it was great that you know the feedback from Shrewsbury's effort to support her game too and everything was so well recognised, I suppose, in terms of um, of that Doncaster game. Really. So that's terrible to I never heard anything about that, already, yeah. So yeah, not great.
0: Not good, not good. Um, and then, yeah, it's, yeah, back to football, it wasn't good, was it? There's that big delay. Um, and then, yeah, free kick yeah. was taken and, away. yeah, not good for Morosi and not good for the defenders. Um, yeah, straight away, obviously, that continued um, kind of the uh, call it, I don't want to describe it as, but yeah, continued, um, obviously, some attention on Morosi. Um, probably the, the nicest little moment of the game after that was that fancy back heel from Leahy, which obviously would have been in front of you guys, but um, yeah, easily saved by the goalkeeper.
1: It was Ollie. Um, yeah, I, I do remember seeing that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't stand out as a bigger moment. I don't know. I, normally you think a back heel on Chantel was great. I'd I kind of escaped me now, really. It's been a long few days. But yeah, it was, wasn't much, was there, other than that? that to was be honest, of...
2: there, I think the. Oh, we were a bit surprised when we saw it, weren't we? But did we really think it was going to go in? <laughs> <Not> no, really. <laughs> no,
1: not at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like pretty much all the chance in the second half, really, I suppose, after that Bowman one. And um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, wailing against the night as we went into that nine minutes of injury time, wasn't it, I suppose. And um, yeah, there was no chance we were getting back into it. And yeah, I don't know. It, it was an interesting one at the end, Ollie, just in terms of the fans. Like, for me, they sort of stuck with it. Dan, oh, I'll ask you about that. There was a lot of chant at the end and supportive, and they kind of clapped the team off. I, I felt a bit more jaded about that, but maybe it's because I've hardly missed an away game this season. I've seen lose so many times I'm just like i got a long way back to the car now I'm going so I, I didn't stay to clap them off this time because it was a long way back but the crowd didn't seem too down with it, Dan? Is that a fair thing that's, to say? I think
2: I that's know. very fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But by at the end of the game, that the whole the whole squad um came over. I think Sean Wally made it a reasonably early exit, which we, we noted, but not with any
1: Ooh. no
2: big deal as far as we were concerned. And it was a real effort to come over and and, and applaud the fans because, of course, it's the last away game in a long season, and yep. um and I think the fans were genuinely generally very supportive of the players because you know it's, it's not as if they're not trying to play good football. Um, you know, we we understand the challenges they all face and. I felt the rapport was good, and it was a good way to end the season from a, an away game perspective. Um, again, it's not it's not something I'll be telling the, the grandkids about in thirty years' time, but it was it was nice, and, and I thought that that was that was a good way to draw a line for our away journeys this year.
0: Yep, um, moving kind of on in terms of like kind of I guess the the flow of the game. It was in terms of kind of viewing the opposition. It's interesting. I thought that Maurice, um, Maurice, um Craig McGilvery got a really high rating on who scored. So while we're saying we didn't have loads of great chances, he got eight point five, um, which is obviously quite a lot, um, which I thought so it's worth worth noting that he obviously did make some good saves um in terms of the flow of the game. But when you when you can see when you lose two 0 um and yeah, it's 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 not great from a Shrewsbury Town perspective, um despite what the manager had to say about the game. Um and yeah, I guess probably let's just do top threes and, and maybe do a comments and let's maybe move on to the squad um, review.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about Craig McGilvery having a good game. I think it's probably that reflects uh, how good our chances were, I suppose, when they did fall to us, particularly those two back-to-back ones where he did really well um, and the Pennington one where he was near post. And, um, you know, those were good chances and it's maybe maybe it's good on him and also bad on us, I suppose, so that balances out. But for me, I would give Morosi man of the match. Um, not, not, a, not a pity thing for what happened to him to be honest with you and um, you couldn't really blame him for the goal particularly the second one where it was well they both just free-headers defenders let him down and he's scrambling to try and make a save um, from what it was but he made some good saves as the game went on um, and his, his kicking was pretty consistent he's, he's a good player I, I, funnily enough I got in an hour before kicker folly Um Due to trains being earlier than I thought, and um, me and the kids, before we went and saw Dan and the guys at the back, sat down the front for the first sort of 10 15 minutes before we went a bit further back. Um, I watched Morosi training with um, Harry Burgoyne and. and Jaden Bevan, and he is a really smart player, he's quick, he is agile, he's, he's kind of maybe a bit different to our keepers we've had over the years, and like, I thought in the game he was really good, so anyway, there we go, just reflecting, he, he really puts it in the warm-up in case anyone's never seen him, Um, so Man of the Match, Marie Morosi, I thought Bowman worked really hard across the piece, um, I, I don't think he was uh, at his best still, but I thought he was, he was decent, and, and I gave Nurse third place as well, but I don't know, it was a bit of a mix and match after maybe Man of, the, Man of the Match, I suppose, Um, what about you, Daniel, what would you have gone for a top three?
2: Yeah, I mean, one of those games where it's it's not, not the easiest to, to come up with a one-two-three. Really, um, I go for Fauna as uh, one. I thought, I mean, he, he, he I wouldn't say he ran the show, but there were periods in that game where he was the best player on the pitch. Um, that the way he tackles, the way he puts his foot in, uh, the way he's got a touch on the ball, and the way he's un- pretty unflappable. So I, I thought I thought he was he was quite impressive in parts. Number two, I think Dan ADO did well up front. He holds the ball up. He turns. He runs. He's straight. He was the one who I felt he was going to score. If anybody was, so I thought ADO was was pretty decent. And then I thought Marosi did make two or three saves. Not world class, but then again, you, know, you say what's coming your way, don't you? So, um, so I, I'd have Marosi as three.
0: I had Marosi in mine. I went for him first. and I went ADO, um, and then I went for Flamingham. Um Again, I was really struggling for third. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think it was a great performance from a Shrews' time perspective. It was one of those games, as you said, down where it's hard, hard to choose um, a top three. Now, talking um, of
2: goalkeepers, guys. Did you see the antics of the Wimbledon? Goalkeeper? Yeah,
0: that was really strange, wasn't it? Have you no, seen this? I've glint? Never,
2: never seen anything no. like that. And they could go down on account of this glint. Yeah. They,
0: I mean, Ollie, do you want to talk? Yeah. Talk so basically, um, basically, it was an offside glint, um, and the goalkeeper was supposed to take a free kick. Um, and rather than clearing it and kicking it long like most goalkeepers do, he had an extra touch. So he touched it, then he kicked it. So he played it to himself. So then, basically, in, in the extra time, this was there was, it was a free 88th kick, minute. yeah, on the eighty-eighth minute. Oh, minute. I thought it was an extra time. Uh, there was a, uh, basically, obviously, a, an indirect free kick, and Fleetwood scored to make it one all. He won't have slept last night, would he, would he Dan? He won't have slept last night at all.
2: No, not at all. And he was in the wrong place in, in terms of the free kick as well. He, he should really have been about two yards further to his left. But if you look at the point situation, that, that that's massive. It's Fleetwood v Wimbledon. They're one up with two minutes to go. Wimbledon could quite plausibly go down on the back of that one uh, that, that one brain freeze. You know, Amazing. Crazy.
1: Well, someone's got to go eventually, haven't they? And we're getting to that crunch point of the season now where there was a few results around the country where people were eventually confirmed down there, weren't they? Obviously, we've got Peter next season now, and we know we'll have Forrest Green as well. And uh, word, word for Oldham, uh, just quickly. I know we're going a bit off-tangent before we look at Cottrell's comments, but obviously, I, I always mention my boss, the Oldham fan, on, on the podcast, don't I? And poor bloke, man. He's been through the ring of the last three years, and I think that... Uh, Saturday must have been the final straw for him, the poor bloke, he would have been in tears I would imagine, and um, yeah, first first premiership team to go all the way down and out of the league, and been in the football league pretty much their entire existence, and um, they are another horror story aren't they, for ownership stuff, and um, yeah, commiserations to the Oldham fans I would say, I think they've they've had a hard season and, and, and they've been running to the ground and um, I feel for them.
0: Yeah, it will be easy to come back no it will be easy to come back and Scunthorpe another one like yeah the statement they put out Glynn um, basically the MD said yeah we've gone down and um, yeah we'll have a look at it that was about it um, but yeah it's going to be um, it's going to be tough it's tough for those teams to come back with all that money being spent um, in, in the National League do I have to do manager comments? Um I mean, again, he was talking about how we were the better team and all this kind of stuff. Again, I don't know who he's trying to kid. Um, you know, they they scored two goals with with headers and and chances inside the six yard box. We didn't do that. XG puts them up ahead, um, by head on on all these kind of things. So, his comments about Morosi was a bit strange. He said, um, he said, you know, he can't repeat what he said, but he doesn't think he'll press charges, and he doesn't what he said. He probably won't press charges because he doesn't want to be targeted, which I thought was a bit of an old-school approach. But, yeah, it's, it's Steve Cottrell, isn't it? So, yeah, I don't really know what to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm fed up with the comments and, and kind of the, the, the lack of reality in his post-match interviews.
1: He's a bit shaky with uh, Lewis again, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he's yeah,
0: yeah he didn't back, ask... A, a bad run. Yeah, he didn't ask the... He didn't, well, he did t- to be fair to Cottrell, he didn't really ask him a question. He kind of made a bit of a statement and he asked what the question was and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, if we don't sign any players, I'm sure Lewis Cox is going to look forward to pre- um, um, pre and post-match interviews.
1: There we go. Well, we'll wrap this game up. Have you got anything else on, on the day, Dan, He wanted to, to say before we move on to looking at um, squad depth? There? But, uh, yeah, end of end of the season for away games. Not, not been the best.
2: No, I mean, I think I've been actually quite lucky. I, I think I've seen more, some of the better performances rather than the um, <laughs> rather than the worst ones. But even then, it's not been a season that uh, as an away, away supporter um, will live that long in the memory. So, yeah, feel free to move on.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We'll move on now. But I, I was saying to some of the lads on Saturday and then talking to some of, some of the people away from football when we got back last night and this morning at the golf I went to play. I probably spent more money on football this year, Ollie, um, than I have ever spent in my entire life. Because previously, I used to just spend money on me going to the football, and you know, ma- managed to film a car full of people and, and share the petrol costs. But a lot of time, it's been me and the children, and um, you know, pretty much not missing an away game this season. It's been a lot of money spent <laughs> for very little
2: output. So William, don't I'm go down personally... that route. <laughs> that, that, that's that's a death spiral once you start working out how much money you're spending on all this.
0: how many? Yeah, like, parents like... per goal or pounds per point on away oh, games. Let's not, let's not go especially there
2: especially since the fuel went
1: up at Christmas but, yeah. so I'm quite glad to see the back of the away season to be honest with you. But, but as I always say And I said on Twitter last night, I I will be back. All the games next season. I do love it. I love my football team, but um, Mamma Mia, not the best this season. Four away wins. Um, So there we go. That's the end of the away games. End of the Charlton game. We're now going to move Ollie um, with Dan's help, um, looking at what we've got in terms of contracts left on players and and who we think might stay, who we want to stay, um, and who who we will have retained anyway. So uh, we'll move on to that now, lads. Pierre
2: Cummings.
1: This is Aaron Pierre from distance. Finds the corner. In the 89th minute, is that the goal that sets up the tie with Liverpool in the fourth round? What a story this could be.
0: So for those on Twitter who may have seen it, um, I created a bit of an image to kind of do a bit of a summary of where um, Salah's squad is. Um, I just posted it on Facebook, I had not posted on there for a long, long time. Um, but, yeah, I think it's probably the first post I've done for about a year. Um, but I thought I'd post it on there so people can see it. So, in terms of the squad, where are we? Um, out of the, the goalkeepers, morosi has got a couple of years left on his contract. We offer him a three-year deal. Bevan, Gregory and um, Burgoyne, um, are, their contracts expire this season. Um, but there is an option on Burgoyne if we want to take it. In terms of defenders, Franagan's got two years left. Pennington's got one year left. And then Ebanks, um, Landon and Pierre's contracts expire In terms of wing-backs, both Bennett and Daniels, his contract's expired, there's an option for Daniels, and Nurse has got a year left. In central Field, <laughs> under contract, we've only got one man, and that is Leahy. Vela, um, Davis and Warley's contracts expire this season. Um, and then up front, we've got a lot of strikers. Um, we've got Bowman, Bloxham, um, Ado, Caton and Pike um, on, on a contract um, for next season with another year left. And I think it's a good job we did this, Dan. Um, we, I believe we also have a year option with Doe, so we could trigger that. So we have two years left on his deal. So if any clubs want to come sniffing, they better get there and better talk to their bank manager because um, Brian's going to be asking for a lot of money.
2: Yeah, as a core of players, um, and again, this may be because I'm instinctively glass half full, we've got some of our most important players under contract. Morosi's a good goalkeeper, we've said that before. Flanagan's an international footballer, he's a decent player. Pennington, we, we know enough about Pennington now to to, to 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 like what we see George nurse has come on he, he he's, uh, he's you know he really has come on in the last three months Leahy is our he's our player of the year in my mind he, he's been phenomenal particularly in midfield strikers we've got raquel pike you know what more could you want but apart from that we've also got you know <laughs> our, our our key strikers so sure there are players there who, who may look to go elsewhere there are players who may look to, to not extend their contracts or offer them new contracts. But we've at least got a core of our better players who will be here next year. And every club has churn in the summer. Every club.
0: So in so in think, League One, you do with two-year contracts. You basically lose 50% on average to your players each year.
2: And with that in mind, it's absolutely crucial that Cottrell learns the lessons from from the summer. And we don't want to be six games in with one point on the board, one win and five defeats on the board. And I think the Ebanks-Landell um issue at the moment is a great example of that he's not he's, he's been fit most of the season right if he's not fit then we aren't the same side we are when he plays we need to have a, a plan b and if the plan b is not aaron pierre and he doesn't look like it is and it has to be something else and too often we've got away with that this year we haven't had many suspensions we've not had that many injuries compared to some clubs so we've been able to fly by the seat of our pants if Cottrell says he wants a small squad okay i get it but if five of that squad are out injured or suspended what are you going to do? And the answer can't be complain to Lewis Clark Cox. We've got to be better prepared than we were last year.
0: We, yeah, we need more we depth can't definitely. No, but this is having a small, squad, no. well, having a small squad, and there's having a squad with key gaps in it um, where you can't basically can't. yeah yeah you can't kind of back up. But you've got you basically you've got no options. So, so um, all, all good all good for a small squad, um, but you need more players than we've had this season. I think we probably we, I'm more certain we've played the lowest number of players um, in the division.
1: It'd be shocking if we hadn't. I mean, when I look at the, the the graphic you put out that that Dan's just been alluding to, I totally agree. We know the cause there. Um, but there's no guarantee any of those people we offer contracts to will sign. I'd be surprised if someone like a Dan Bennett doesn't sign, but we'll come to that when we run through them individually. But, you know, as a, a core is one thing. You know, building around the core is problems that Steve Cottrell's had, and has has he learned that lesson? Will he learn that lesson? Do we have the budget to allow him to build significantly around that that core? That's the problem, because when you look at it, there are huge gaps still, you know, all over the pitch that we will still need work for. We, you know, you need your backup left wing-back, you need some attacking midfielders, you need a load of normal midfielders, and, you know, lone players will fill some of those gaps. But... They've been a couple of hit and miss for, for Cottrell as well, haven't they? So when I look at that, I think, yeah, there's there's something to work with there. You know, I'll, I'll go with that half full, glass half full, Dan. But I also think, Jesus Christ, there's a hell of a lot of work to do to get that core above 17th again, to yeah. be honest with you. And that's maybe what our expectations should be because that's what we're always doing. So, um, On top yeah, of that, just worth
0: adding to. as well, I was chatting to... Um, remember, remember we had that... Um, Last season, um, we had um, James on, who's a posh fan, and he did yes. the Bolton game. I was chatting to him, and obviously sending considerations because they've been relegated back to League One. And he made an interesting comment, and he said, "You know, I showed him the, the image of the squad and said what gaps we've got, and he said it will be tough because you just just remember, obviously, there's um, you know three fairly large clubs coming down from the Championship yeah, with yeah. Barnsley and Peterborough and Derby, um, and." You know, they've all got probably bigger scouting systems than us, maybe not Derby, I'm not sure whether that's the situation they're in. But, you know, there's a lot of clubs in this division, and there's a lot of clubs that expect to get promoted in this division next year. So, there's going to be a lot of clubs. After players um, with with more money spend than us, with probably more um, resources as well in terms of scouting. So it's going to be a challenge, but um, it's it's not one that um, I'm sure one that um, controls, um will will take up. But we can't be a situation where we're having the same conversations again. Uh, maybe that would be that would be heartbreaking because I'm definitely um, half full. But I was half full last summer, and then yeah, we didn't sign a player in August, which is Tom Griff's favourite stat. But yeah, it's um it's interesting. Anything any other comments before we kind of go through player by player, Glenn?
1: Quickly, we could easily end up in that situation.
2: Yeah, we could.
0: I know we could. Dan, if
1: you've got anything, you've got anything else to say before we move on to the individual players uh, about the squad there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I buy that. I, I, I do understand where you're coming from, but I think if you look at the players we brought in, they've actually generally been from they good have. Good clubs if you look at Pennington, but they've been good as well haven't they? they've they been yeah, good quality pennington's you know Everton player but his, his loans have all been um i mean all eight of them i think he had have all been at, at clubs that you'd say are bigger than us and and, and higher level than us georgianers came from bristol city uh bennett came from blackburn in the championship so i mean th- to me it does look like cottrell can bring in players from a higher level um but there's just not enough of them <laughs> and, and and we need we need that plan b if things don't work for us um in terms of suspensions and injuries so i, I totally buy the argument if we're in this place in a year then we really have failed um and, and we can't we can't let that happen
0: and that's what that's what scott was going to be decided on now you know we know he's a good tactician we know he's clearly a, you know player, a team manager that can get players working hard for him um and yeah recruitment is is is, is a big question mark about him and if we have the same again he can't keep doing it again because we'll eventually get relegated. Um
1: and he's got no safety net, Ollie next season. That's what I'll say. You know, Last season, he had the safety net of the COVID and the goodwill that we had still at the start of the season, despite how bad it was. If he doesn't do well in this transfer window and we start poorly next season, I have to say, he would find himself under more pressure than he did this year, personally. But um, it's all to be done because he could start us off really well and then we'll we'll be on a roll, won't we? So uh, there we go. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, you want to run through each player individually, don't you, Ollie? Yeah, let's just go. We,
0: we, we, we won't we take, take too, too long. But... keep them yeah let's go through it so um so bevan, um, for me, it's hard'cause i've he's a young he's a young youth goalkeeper, you'll never seen him play, um so I don't know whether we can actually keep him or not, um, I don't want you guys to think about him.
1: I would say Bevan and Gregory um, it's interesting that Gregory has completely stopped being involved in the matchday squads whereas again I'm not sure if you spotted this but Bevan trains with the keepers pre-match every single week before the game and he was there on Saturday so to me I think maybe that decision has been made um, and and we'll be keeping Bevan and Gregory will be moving on Um, but that's just based on what's going on on a matchday I don't know too much about Bevan I know he's a meal brace lad Um, he went into school met my daughter like I talked about the other week and and, uh, they were all impressed with him but um, yeah local lad so you know, maybe, maybe if we keep him I'll, I'll be happy with that and he, he seems like a, a good young pro that's maybe going to go somewhere who knows um, but that, that's my view on it I'm not sure you can really make much more of a, a judgment than that can you Dan?
2: No I think that's spot on I mean I, I genuinely, know, genuinely no idea the, the only thing I can do is, is watch what the keepers do in the warm-up which is clearly not a great way to judge whether we should keep them on um, so, so I, I have absolutely no idea and I've no reason to doubt what you said there about, about Bevan being up the pecking order on Gregory so, um, so yeah I'll leave it at
0: that. And um, next is um, the, the hitman Burgoyne. Um, I'm yeah. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with, with Burgoyne. Um, I would be surprised if he if he does um, stay or not. Again, haven't seen a lot of him. What he has done, you know, obviously, we had those errors, didn't we? Um, under Sam Ricketts, um, which leads you to suggest that um, he'll he'll probably probably be leaving, Glenn.
1: I don't know about that. You know, there is this goalkeeper, backup goalkeeper mentality, isn't there? With some people, particularly in the top flight, maybe not so much down in League One. But you know, he's local. He's he's probably living local again now in an area he grew up in. Probably back with his friends. If she was down offered him a contract to be our backup goalkeeper for another season, saying you know you're going to play cup games and potentially cover Marossi, um, you know, I could see him staying. He probably would sign yeah. that deal. Maybe. And
0: it's it's, it's with goalkeepers. Like goalkeepers desperate. don't play. It's really hard for us no. to judge. Um, it's one exactly. you definitely have to trust the staff on. And awesome.
1: he, he's a decent enough backup goalkeeper, isn't he? He's got a bit of pedigree, so um, it'd be a, it'd be an interesting one. I would probably not keep him and maybe look to get another backup goalkeeper, but I wouldn't be overly upset if he, he did stay as our backup goalkeeper. But, um, yeah, go on, Dan, what about you?
2: Yeah, I think there's two things with him. I, I wouldn't keep him, I'll be honest. But but there's two things I would say. Um, firstly, it'll be cheap. Let's let, let's let's not beat about the bush. We haven't got much sure. money to spend elsewhere, and I don't really want to spend a lot of that money on a backup goalkeeper. Um, I'd, I'd much rather be spending it speculating somewhere else than there. Um, and secondly, I'm a bit more glass-off empty on him, actually. When I've seen him play, I mean, Stratford or he didn't fill me with a great deal of enthusiasm there. He dropped one clangour early on, and, and maybe that clangour affects the way you play. But I, I just feel that maybe for his own career, a move away might do him do him good to start somewhere else. And the very fact that he's a local lad can almost count against him. He needs to go somewhere where no-one knows who he is, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that might be good for his career. But again, see, so little of him that I, I'm not going to put my mortgage on, on
0: any of those statements, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, and that's fair to say. Um, E-Banks, Landau, um for me, um, I'd definitely offer him a new contract to Glenn. Yeah, nothing more to
1: say. 100% definitely.
0: Dan? Yeah, he's 29, isn't he? So he, yeah. he's by no means over
2: the hill. Um, he's got a number yeah. of years left, particularly the way he plays. Um, you know, As a centre-half, he's, he's not someone who's going box-to-box-to-box. To box, box to box. I would be, unless there's injury issues, unless there's something we don't know, I'd be
0: pretty amazed if he's not offered a deal. Yeah, it'd be good. Hopefully he'll stay. I think he's, as we said, you know, he's a good blend with Pennington, Ebanks and Pierre, and obviously, sorry, with Plannigan, sorry. Um, But yeah, we definitely need another defender if he doesn't sign. If he doesn't sign, we'll need at least two, maybe three, and be interested to see what happens there. And then moving on, um, Bennett... Um, for me, definitely would offer Bennett a, a contract. I think hes he, he seems like a really good pro. Um, he seems like a, a top bloke. And I think he's a the kind of player that you want to build a squad round. Um, and I think he's the kind of senior pro that we want to see um, in the club, Dan. Well, you
2: notice how he works well with this, the experienced central midfielders. Him and Vela a number of times this season have, have really... Um, linked in nicely down, down the right and I'm sure he will do that with other good footballers around so again providing the fitness is fine I have no reason to think that it won't be uh, we know he's a local lad so that's going to be a pull for him I think it would be pretty amazing if he's not offered a deal
1: 100% keeping uh, again nothing more to add to what you two have said then yeah he's um. He's been fantastic for us this season. Um his injury is not as bad as we thought last week, Ollie, when we were talking that's about you know, contracts a li- initially a little bit. Um and he might even be back at the end of the season, Ollie. So um yeah, for me, one hundred percent
0: keep him. Yeah, that's cool. And then um another defender, um Pierre Glynn. I think it's fair to say that Pierre will not be staying at Shurichi Town, and I don't know whether he was so good in that first season, wasn't he? He was a bit of a Roll Royce defender, he was all yeah, action, was um really good at driving forward. Um but yeah I can not I I c I can't I'd like to keep the you know, the old version of Pierre. Um, but I haven't been so keen on Pierre this season. But you've hardly seen him this season, Ollie, I, I, because
2: no one has. This yes. is the issue. It's, it's been crystal clear that, that Cotchell don't want to pick him, and mm-hmm. and when Lee he's so important to us in the middle of the park, and he'd rather play Lee at centre half. I think you know you, you don't need to see the white smoke coming out of the you know the, the roof of the the Montgomery's Waters Meadow to know that what the message is here. He, he he's not not staying. I would 100% keep him. I think Pierre's got a decent footballer, but he, he's going to go elsewhere
1: totally quick he's definitely gone been, I said that yeah he's I, gone um, yeah. But yeah he's definitely gone but you know uh, in an in a, in an alternate reality where him and cultural will get on and there's something going on there and he's fully motivated like he used to be um, when he was playing week in week out maybe that's one of the things that's unsettled him having competition who knows but um, he was a good, really good player for us I, and I'd I'd keep him without a shadow of a doubt there but unfortunately I'm not the manager and I think that ship sailed. so yeah I can see him going and I don't think he'll even be offered a deal
0: yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, Daniels. Um, yeah, Josh Daniels. Um, we haven't seen a lot of him, um, to be fair, in his defence. He hasn't played um, I mean, his, his more natural position. He's For all of his efforts, I just don't see him as a right wing back. Um, I just don't see that as, as a position for him going forward. Um, I, If I was in charge, I wouldn't be offering him a contract. Dan, um, what was your view on, on Josh Daniels?
2: Yeah, I'll go different there. Um, I think he came to us as a winger and has been... Um, he's been a product for both of the managers that have that have signed in. They they've seen something in him that, that they can mould. And I think as a third wing back, he's probably actually okay. He, like for example, yesterday did absolutely nothing wrong. Even though each of us would have Bennett in before him if he were fit. So I I do think there's there's a chance that Cottrell may offer him a contract a short a short one, um, simply because he can fill in. He can fill in a hole. And you might it might be easier for for him to do that when we play a little bit more offensively as a team as you said before we, we sit deep we defend as a unit and it's not awfully easy for the wing backs to jump forward and get in the game and, and maybe if the team evolves Daniels could do that I wouldn't expect Daniels to play that much next year but I think as a backup for, 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 um, for Bennett he's not the worst one we could possibly go for so it wouldn't
0: surprise me if he does get offered a deal I would say in terms of financial budget management I can see where you're coming from but I'll ask you a question um, do you think he's his crossing and passing is good enough to score goals um, and have you seen him go past a man well he came as a winger didn't he ironically yeah but there's yeah, but you, you could class Glyn as a winger but he ain't going to go past anyone in League 1 is he yeah. I, I might class Glyn as many things but, <laughs> but, many <laughs> but you know what I mean I'm many just many being things. I'm being yeah. argumentative got up for once. but you know what yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to be harsh to that he seems like a really nice chap he seems a lovely bloke and um, yeah, wish him all the best and stuff in terms of his career but his passes are normally backwards he always takes yeah, a okay. safe option I haven't seen enough productivity from him um, to... I well, get the angle. I remember him scoring a very good goal at Rochdale when he came into the box late and scored a header. That was uh, a fantastic header.
2: That was yeah. a brute, superb header. But he is air, to be fair, for his size. Yeah. yeah. I'd say one swallow don't make a summer. But did you notice know yesterday, a lot of the balls from Morosi were right out in the direction of Daniels. And I thought, what, what are they going to him for? He just, but he didn't do that badly in the air over there. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to be crying in... To a pillow, if, if Daniels move, moves on, but I do think if you if you can get 15-20 games and more or less consistently, you might see a different player again. Again, again, though, I, I, t- I totally understand where you're coming from, Ollie. That we haven't quite seen it yet.
0: Good.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't keep him. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> it just he's a winger. I feel bad keeping him here to be honest with you. Making him play bloody right wing back all the time yeah. can't be much fun for a player that's now an out attacker most of the time. So and it's, it's an
0: interesting one. It's one that's yeah. I asked I did a poll um, on Twitter and there's. Like, you know, between 150, 300 people voted. Um, on, on Daniels, it was probably one of the closest ones, one of the closer ones are there. Um, whereas 59% said keep him and, and 40% also said let him go. Um, you know, most people were kind of, you know, Ebanks keep him 86%, Bennett keep him 94%. Um, a lot of people were on the same side of us in terms of let Bullcoin go. Um, Pierre Go as well, um, but yeah, I thought that was, that was interesting in terms of um, positions. Um, looking on to midfielders now, um, Josh Vella, Now, Josh Vella's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, going up into Christmas time, he was arguably one of our best players. We haven't seen the best of him um, in, in the second half of the season. He's been quite poor, um, I would say. He hasn't been the same box-to-box midfielder that's you know, been impressing us um, over the last few years i would like to see vela stay because i think he is a bottom-end championship player at his best at his his highest performing um so i would like to keep him glenn i don't know what your view is
1: my view is, the whole thing about I'm in the shop window at Christmas was definitely not uh, an accident, and I think he's probably got a deal lined up, probably, uh, somewhere else at a slightly more illustrious club than us, further up the pyramid, probably not championship, and consequently his performances in the second half of the season have reflected his general maybe demeanour towards it. He never stopped trying, but um, he's definitely not the player he was when he was player of the season last year. I don't think he would sign a contract given it. I think he will move on, um, and it's a shame. I think he's a really, really good player, like you just said, Ollie, but I don't. I can't see him Can't playing. see it Especially
0: he's northwest West based As well You can't see it Exactly so can... And
1: um, I think We can think Of the clubs That he might Have had his head Turned by Let's be honest um, I don't know If you disagree With that Dan But that's, that's where I think he's been Since we played Liverpool
0: I think it's an
2: Interesting one Would I have a contract Yes Because when we Play well Joshua, Josh Vela Is normally Playing well As a part of that He's part of the three in the midfield, whether it was Davis who sits or whether it's Fauna who sits. If, if Lee, he's in there, then I, I think it brings out the best in him. Now, has he been a Rolls-Royce in the second half of the season? No. But there's quite a few players in that boat, really. Um, I, I think we, he's probably on decent money from being brutally honest so I suspect that if we're going to offer him a new deal oh, it, it'd right, have yeah. to be decent wedge as well um, but also, I also it wouldn't surprise me if he looked for pastures new and I'm not going to hold that against him you know footballers have short nope. careers and if he can get a better deal in a higher division then, then I think he'd be mad to not do it but would I offer him a contract I would um, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure he'll sign it, that's
0: for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, Yeah, next one, um, Davis, which is an interesting one because we kind of let him go, then we sign him again. Um, In terms of the fans, um, the fans are really close on this one. 52% would offer him a new deal, 48% would let him go. Um, That's a a dangerous percentage um, split. Um, Yeah, I I probably wouldn't keep him. I'd probably let him go. He's a year older now. Um, Dan, what's your view? I don't understand, Ollie. I don't
2: understand David Davis. I mean, we, 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 I've never known a player who has apparently been taking so long to get back up to fitness, and and the you know two thirds of his Shrewsbury Town career, he was just so obviously miles off the pace, and it was like it, it, this is months and months, Davis. You know, why are you just off the pace in the way that you are? And then suddenly he wasn't. Suddenly, he was absolutely fantastic in that role in front of the back four, back, back three. And he did that for three or four months. And I I, I sort of, you know, couldn't quite, but I thought he'd like, you know, got a new set of legs on him or something. He, he looked very much like a David Davis at his best in Birmingham, at, at Birmingham. So, so if we can get that David Davis, I'd offer him a contract in a minute, um, but we probably won't, right? He's going to struggle to get up to fitness again. Um, he's not getting any younger, and my gut instinct is that we got a bit lucky with with three months out of him where he played really well, and we'd be we'd be gamblers to expect to see that David Davis reappear for for a concerted period of time next season. So, sort of with a heavy heart, I'd be saying, Digger, thanks very much. Uh, best of luck wherever you may end up.
1: Yeah, it'd be too much money on that gamble, I think, Dan, in terms of, of what he might be expecting. He won't away, come to cheap, mate. Yeah, yeah. um, so to me, I totally agree with that. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't have offered him a contract last year. Um,
0: and needs <laughs> must. So I definitely, I definitely it was needs must, wasn't it, year. in terms of um, numbers?
1: Yeah, it was.
0: So, and, no for me. I'll, yeah, and then we come to the last one, um, which is the, the potentially one. the most, yeah, the big one, the big one, Sean Worley. Um so um I don't know, do I go first or do you guys want to go first in terms of what your opinion is? Dan touched on Dan touched on the reason why I wouldn't offer Sean Worley a new contract. And you know, if we were playing 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 or whatever, and we we were playing a formation that suited Sean Worley, then I would definitely keep him because then he's gonna be a bit like a bit like Dan's argument for 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 Daniels, he's a backup He's a, a an impact player. You can bring him off the bench. He'll definitely do good for a, for one year. Um and he'd definitely do, you know, he'd definitely cause trouble and um, to some um, League One fullbacks. And I still think at his age he keeps himself in good trim and I think he could do something. I wouldn't keep him because I don't think he fits into the system at all. He's not a number ten, he's not really a striker, and he's certainly not a box to box midfielder. Um, and he's not a wing back either. So for that reason, I, I don't think we should offer him a new contract. You know, in terms of him being a legend and all that, I get all that. But in terms of you know where we are and what we want to do next season, I wouldn't offer him offer him a contract, Glenn. Um, I imagine you might disagree with me.
1: Well, considering, you know, for the first few years of this podcast, I used to bloody hate Wally, didn't I? I used to give him so much shit on the podcast all the time because his end product wasn't good enough and he never put enough into the games. And slowly as he got older and matured into a different kind of player and, and obviously 17, 18, maybe a peak, but probably pretty good the season after and the season after that, um, before he got injured this year, I suppose. He's turned me around. I can't lie about it. My mum's absolutely delighted about the whole situation, as as we know, she's his favourite player. Um, and I I would offer him a one year deal. A one-year deal only. I wouldn't be offering him two years, and that's where the problem will come because yeah, I think he's been that. good enough to get a two-year deal at a Tranmere or a, maybe someone in League Two. To be honest with you, no, and definitely if League I was Two or so. Yeah, if I was Wally, I'd be looking at the two-year deal coming to the end of my career, and I, I can't see us offering two years. I think it's too much of a gamble again, much like Dave Davis. But it's a real shame. But I would offer him the one-year deal and just to just attempt him to say, look, you know, there's a there's a role at this football club. You know, you know, you are a kind of ambassador for for what you've done over the years. You're a you know modern day legend and you know, you can stay here, you can continue that journey, you can play a part off the bench, you can, you know, be that backup option we're going to need at times. Um, and if you want to do that and continue to be paid a reasonable amount of money for the next year and look again, that's an option. That's what I'd be doing at the football club. Um, but I don't think he would take it, and I wouldn't if I was him and I was looking to finish my career with a nice little payday. Um, so, yeah, I think he probably will go, but um, it'll be a, a sad occasion when he does.
0: What do you think, Dan?
2: Yeah, I'm in your camp. Uh, Olin, you probably picked that up from the earlier contribution that I made on this one. But um, I can't disagree with his status at the club, um, Glyn. And he, he, it took quite a while to be won over as well. Um, and he, he's been phenomenal. But in terms of where Cottrell is, he's a three-five-two man. And if, if Worley is content with playing, make, making 15 subs sub appearances, coming on as an impact player, then fine. But I, I, I don't think he will be, and I don't think we should really put that on him, quite frankly. I don't think we get enough out of him to merit. To, to merit doing that. So much as he's been phenomenal for this club over the last seven or eight years, um, I, I think the time is probably right to draw a line. And I can't help but wonder if he's playing so much at the moment, not just because he's fit again, but because maybe maybe Cottrell can feel that. I would be very interested to see what Wally's reaction uh, after the Wigan game is as yeah, to whether it's fascinating. there's perhaps even already been con- yeah conversations about this. Not that we're going to hear
0: them, but I'd, no. I'd, I'd be very interested to know. Yeah, we we triggered a contract. You know, we triggered a contract extension with him last summer, Um, and I hear he had a two-year deal at Tramier, obviously that's just all rumour, we have no idea, Mm. Uh, but yeah, we wouldn't be surprised if something like that comes back for him.
1: Which does show he would take the extra year but obviously maybe he would have been told he would be much more of a part of it than maybe he would be next year. But that as we said, there's so much work to do in this squad. He might just think, Well, I'm not sure Cottrell will fill all the gaps. I might get more than fifteen Oh, does he want to work for
0: Cottrell again, which is a fair yeah, question? Well, yeah. Could you can, do care, you want to put up with that that pre season and, and and that and that that, that that style of management again? On Sean Worley, uh, yeah, it was yeah, obviously in favour of him staying. Most of the fans okay. would want him to stay um, I just yeah, it was ninety-two percent fans wanting to stay, um, which I think is only beaten by um Elliot Elliot Bennett, to be honest. Um, who actually I'd realised, um, just remembered actually Elliot Bennett did actually does an article with Lewis Cox. Um, I think that was a day or yesterday, saying he wants to stay at the club as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the narratives are interesting here, Glenn, because if, if Koch was saying to Wally, like you know. I know you want to play in a certain role, I can't give it you, but you're going to get game yeah. time. There's going to be people who are injured, suspended, whatever. There's going to be situations where you're going to get you know, t- t- the opportunity to have an impact from the bench. I mean, w- will Wally be interested in, in taking that? And, and I, I suspect the answer is no. But if Cottrell's, if Cottrell's going to go to him and say, you're going to play every week, then, then I, if I was Wally, I'd say, OK, where? Uh, And so I I, I would
0: assume That that conversation Won't happen He's not a central midfielder I love Sean Ward He's scored some amazing goals Like you know He's been an amazing dribbler He's been a great contributor He seems like An absolutely fantastic lad But he ain't a central midfielder And that's the only real place For him to fit into this team
1: for me, you know, he's like obviously being a stats guy. He's on the verge of quite a lot of stats, isn't he, at the football club? And you know, and uh, could score in eight consecutive seasons, things like that, which are quite notable. But um, I imagine players are not overly dictated by their stats at football clubs, like uh, some of us, as I've as <laughs> No chance.
0: This yeah, to be, sure. be, be a decision for his, you know, whether he, how much money he bank gets. Balance. Yeah, the bank <laughs> balance. And also, you know, I will say on Football Manager, Glenn, I did offer him a youth a contract as a as a youth coach. So maybe that's something that maybe the club offers. So, yeah. And that, you know, being realistic, he, he seems like the guy that wants to stay in football. So it will be that total package, won't it? You know, years on the contract. Yeah you know will fund- suitors, guys yeah there will be definitely suitors in league 2 100% and you never know um we did joke about it when you were on off not and if you heard it but you know you know there's a there's a, there's a club not million miles away in north wales that are spending a lot of money in the national league and they might be after mm-hmm. someone like Sean Morley Oh, that would be painful
1: let's not hope that's hope that doesn't yeah, we don't want to go there and let's hope, let's, let's hope they're still in the National League as well um, <laughs> rather than lead to um, but yeah we rely on Stockport not bollocks in it up but um, yeah fingers crossed they don't um, yeah it's an interesting one uh, I, hopefully whatever he does I think most town fans would wish if he does leave he goes to a club and he gets, a, he gets the respect there that he's had at this football club and he's always going to be welcome back and one day he may well go into football match management and, and coaching or whatever and I'm sure he'd be welcome back in a role at the football club then because we don't have that many modern day absolute legends, the Kelvin Langmeads the, you know, the Dave Edwards, those ones that played so long over different periods and, and really played for, for a long period of time I suppose You would put Jermaine Granson in that category obviously Ollie, um, but you know, there aren't that many of them that have really gone past the 200 um, for Shrewsbury so yeah, um, always a place for him in this football club that's for sure
0: yeah, it'll be sad. And hopefully, if he does go, he can give a nice send off, a nice, a nice goodbye against Wiggins yes. that's something I'm sure everyone will be looking at. Um, just to comment on on um, on Pike. In all seriousness, he was offered a three year deal. Hopefully, he wasn't like no 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 harm to him or anything. But hope he wasn't on five k a week or something. Um, but um, yeah, Pike. I don't know. He went to four We got relegated. Um, I don't scored one. It doesn't look good, does it, from a Shrewsbury Town perspective? <laughs> if you're Brian and you're looking at the board and and Steve Cochrane thinking, you know, we need to get we need to off this load lad, this lad, and you know he needs to kind of re- kick his career somewhere. I can't see him restarting his career in League Two, given what he's done at Scunthorpe. I've watched him play, but the stats don't look good. It is um, it is a, a quandary for the manager to try and sort out.
1: Garbage, uh, you know, if we could get him offloaded somewhere, I'd, I'd take a snap someone's handle for it, just get another wage off the bill. We could,
0: could come back not in not as that right wing back, to- Glenn, but I don't, I don't see it happening. God, That's how desperate me. we got um, at some points, isn't it? What sort the of the Joe
2: Linton thing, thing <laughs> you mean, where he reinvigorates himself in a totally alien position? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: no, no, let's hope we could get rid of some and free another wage up and you know, bring in a striker that we could actually rely on as a backup, exactly. Because, uh, He's garbage, isn't he? um, I'm happy to say that. And uh, yeah, worst three-year deal in the club's history. I'm <laughs> also fairly confident. Um, but just going back to Wigan, because no, you mentioned it then, it's probably worth moving on to the last game and then a little bit of Sports Parliament stuff just to wrap this up because we've gone long again, as we usually do, talking about the what could happen things. Um... It would be lovely to give Wally in a massive great send off, wouldn't it, at the end of the Wigan game? And um, maybe the same for a couple of players if they don't resign. What I could do without is getting gubbed on the final day of the season to a team chasing promotion still. Um, that would really, really bury this season, to be honest with you, is one of the uh, least memorable ones of recent time. But let's be honest about it. Wigan massively need to beat us. Um, and it could be could be pretty bad, to be honest with you, considering uh, how we finish. Well, it could this up, so far they could be up, though. They could be up, couldn't
2: they? They got well, their Pompey what, in the though? week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did they? they? Oh, okay. Do... Sorry, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, if they draw oh, okay. with Pompey, then they're mathematically up. So, um, it, it, but okay. then it, I'm not sure that's great. Everglin, you know, a good side that's mm. got three hits. Oh my God, they may relax
0: and play really good football. You know, yeah. yeah. I can't, you can't. One thing you would say is you can't imagine. Well, obviously the players might ignore the manager, but you'd hope that the players put up an effort and put a bit of show on. Oh, uh, and try and I, and you know, if we lose, fair enough. We're going to spend shitload of money this year. Be fascinated to see what their accounts will look like um, when they come out next year. But um, we don't want to get tonked at home um, with those guys. Um, I don't really care what they do. It's it's Wigan. They'll they'll go up. They'll probably come back down again in a few years' time. I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't mind losing on the last of the season, even if we got tonked, if maybe Cottrell had tried to play some youth players to see what they're like or anything like that. But that's clearly, that's one thing. I was going to mention Caton.
0: You talk about away miles, Glenn. How many miles has Caton <laughs> been on that bloody coach? I hope he's got, like, someone's brought, and hopefully Cottrell's brought him like a PS5, you know, with a little screen or something, or he really, really loves Football Manager because, man, that kid has been a lot of miles on the coach and he never comes on.
1: No, it's very odd, isn't it? I do wonder whether he's for, for got a long-term future. But um, one knows? point about yeah, Wigan, it's, it's... though,
2: Glyn—they've—they've they've won one of the last five. They're, Are they're they? not in, yeah, they're not in tip-top form, um, and and you know, I think they're pretty nervy. So it—it it, mm. it could be a quite a plausible situation where they that they sort of freeze a bit. But um, again, maybe that's just my glass-half-full mentality coming in. I and mean, you know, well, I've said that and we'll probably get hammered there.
1: Yeah, as a huge Town fan, if you told me a team were coming to us and they had lost six in a row, I'd be more worried, to be honest with you, because they're the ones we normally bollocks up, aren't they? So, um, oh yeah, everyone <laughs> wins occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, there we go. I don't know what to make of it. But, yeah, you've you've players. It would have been nice to have seen some of them maybe over the last few weeks, considering we've not really threatened winning over, have we in the last three or four? So, um, yeah, it's a shame. I don't think we're going to see it though. It's not a Cottrell thing to do, is it? Ollie likes to play him in the in the cups early in the season. If they can make a breakthrough then, then maybe you will give him a go like Bloxham did the season
0: before. Well, no, so. uh, uh, according to Steve Cottrell in his post his pre-match. For Charlie, he's talking about how he's a manager that brings youth players through. Absolutely um, rubbish. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'll just stop. I don't want to say anything else. <laughs> Let's
1: move on. There we go. All right. And then the last thing I was going to wrap up with um, was, you know, we've had we've had some tough times this season, haven't we? But um, we had a supporters parliament meeting um, for those that weren't aware of it on, on Tuesday just gone. I went and attended and did a bit of live coverage on, on Twitter as well. And... Suddenly there's a a bit in the agenda that says Brian will make a presentation. Um, so we're like, oh, what's this all about anyway? So up comes a PowerPoint presentation talking about, Ticket and Ticketmaster, and for those that didn't see it, Ticketmaster, um, for all their ills and all the problems they've caused us over the pre- preceding, I think it's been seven years we've been with Ticketmaster, no more. Ticketmaster are going to be shunted to the side. We are not going to renew our contract with Ticketmaster. We're going with Advance, I think they're called, um, who we used previously to Ticketmaster, I think, um, but we're getting a better system now, apparently. Um, and yeah, we've we finally got rid of Ticketmaster and all their problems. I'm sure there will be teething problems with this new system. There always are, but um, Brian seems fairly confident. It's much more user-friendly and new you can manage your accounts and linking people and all that st- sort of stuff a lot better than ticketmaster and also we will be one of their main clients so we won't just get shunted onto the Brian was saying sometimes when things went wrong with Ticketmaster he used to have to just fill in like an online form and hope they phoned him back to sort it out he had no direct way of getting Ticketmaster to didn't, sort you ever, it didn't to you have website. an account manager that's, that's yeah, yeah not the best so um, with Advance that'll be a bit better as well and they're more flexible to changes um, and then on top of that as well we're going finally I suppose because you know I say, I've been to a lot of away games this season most teams do it nowadays like even the smaller clubs of going for um, you know steward entries so scanning your barcodes or your QR codes or your code on your, your fan card um, or even your phone maybe possibly one day Um and yeah having entrances like that which will clamp down a little bit on some of the shenanigans that go on I think at should town in terms of people sharing season tickets with, with different different people from male and female and uh, yeah things like that might get picked up a little bit more and there still will be a role for some of the stewards or some of the people that were scanning things I think through the gates in those um, in those periods that also always happens at away games so yeah a bit of a difference and it will mean that everyone needs a new season ticket Um card so there'll be changes for that um, and a few things to update in terms of the, the the accounts on the website but a big change ollie and one that you know maybe we would have you know would have thought was too late to come in but yeah it's a, it's a big so that's change the next season right.
2: glim right that's for
1: 22 that
0: in, yep yep next season starting mm, next season so um yeah, so it'll be, it'll all, be all, all change glim we all might change. have a blue and amber kit and we might have a new ticket system just, it's like going back into 21st century
1: it's 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 a, it's a big change and I think you know we've how many times have we moaned about Ticketmaster Ollie it's an absolute delight to be able to get one of our biggest podcast bugbears off our shoulders and and move on to better times with tickets and um it should should be a lot easier even for people like you down who exiles, you know should be able to kind of use that system a bit easier and um you know the biggest problem we always had was was cup games and trying to sort out loyalty points and stuff so we'll still have a loyalty point system none of that's going to change um so I'm I'm quite positive about it Ollie to be honest with you but I do reserve the right to moan about it. I
0: yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's, it's a boring topic, but it is a topic that's been bemoaned through to Town fans, and it has been an issue. So that's good news. Anything else to mention? I, Obviously, this, this is pod um, was potentially a bit, a bit of a long one for you to edit, Glenn. Um, anything else to, to yeah. mention before we kind of, before we end?
1: Yeah, the, the only other things at the Sports Bar meeting, there was a bit about the Supporters Trust, uh, sorry, the uh, community team changed the name to Shrewsbury Town. Oh, what was the bloody name of it now? Forgotten. Um, forgotten. Foundation. So it'll be, you know, much clearer that Shoes Town Foundation um, is what the new community team will be called. So, yeah, that will that, be an interesting change. Obviously, there was a, the announcement the next day about the, the retro kit. There was a little snippet of what that's going to look like. Um, I think most people have identified that it's that blue and yellow Umbro one um, from, from back in the day, I think, in the 70s, Dan. And I'm not sure if you saw that snippet, but it's certainly a kit I think will sell really well. That. It's um, one of our more iconic kits, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it looks good. Looks good. Big fan of that one.
1: And that's it. All that's about as much as I've got to say on the sports. Part. I mean, there was some other bits and bobs going on, but I don't want to bore you about loose flagstones on the steps up to Abbey Road, <laughs> to be honest with you. So um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I Although one thing I will say is, my kids have been asked to give out the um, the uh, Young Player of the Year award on Tuesday night at the fans' supporters' at, uh, at night. You know, the, the end of season awards. Um, so that was a nice thing to come out of that because uh, they are absolutely delighted about that. I think that's it's going to make their season. Uh, yeah, yeah. box
0: of I imagine. It, I was I was thinking of going to that, and it's always really fascinating if a player knew of the podcast and has heard us criticise them and was sitting next to them, that would be quite interesting. Um, so but, but I'm actually going to see Ramesh. Um, so yeah, going to a comedy gig. As tickets I brought about pre-COVID and I had an email a few weeks ago saying your ticket's here. I'm like, <laughs> What's this? So yeah, going to see Ramesh in Birmingham on Tuesday night. So that should be fun. Very
1: nice. I'm going to Birmingham to watch Partridge on Alan Partridge on Friday night as well. So there go. we're both doing comedy this week. But there we go. Comedy. Have you That's two got socialised? You
0: you've both got kids. I know. I don't
2: understand. This is ridiculous. we're having
0: to get two different people to babysit, it's going to have to be of a tag team operation. To but um, yeah, it's mad. But um, yeah, a lot going on. But yeah, it's been a good season. And also, Glyn, just mention actually. Um, so, this is episode 38 of the season. Obviously, we've mm. through them. I didn't realise this, Glenn. We've done over 200,000 um, listens now. We've been listened to mental. over 200,000 times, which is just mad. Absolutely mental. It is
1: mad. I think we should reflect on that a bit more down the line. Yeah, yeah. But that is a pretty big milestone. And we're coming up towards 300 episodes in total as well, which is a lot of Sunday nights, Dan. Um, so, yeah. It's a
2: good resource as well. It's a good resource. You <laughs> do uh, good. No,
1: fruit. Appreciate it, mate. But yeah, we do we do get a lot of um, flexibility from our wives, so uh, that's, yeah. that's the only reason this podcast keeps going, mate. But um, there we go. I, I'm done. I just want to say thanks to Dan for joining us. And uh, yeah, yeah, cheers, Dan. Having a good chat. Oh, always a pleasure, it's fellas. Oh, was a pleasure.
0: You. Yeah, yeah, really good and, to have uh, you on. Good to, good to give you a perspective on the contract as well, and yeah, your perspective of the game. You're always top quality guest, and yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. We really appreciate um, the support we get from everyone. Cheers, fellas. We're back
1: one more next week but yeah one more game to go we will uh, catch up with you I don't even know when the game is it's like a stupid early kick off is it next week but we'll be oh, yeah, back at some point after that on, game yeah, <laughs> 12,
2: <13. Yeah>. cool. <laughs>
1: what a pain in the arms. there we go we'll be back after that at some point and uh, have a good week we'll catch you all next week